the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From policy to culture, principles to politics, this is The Seth Leibson Show. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Wednesday, December 1st, 2021. 602-508-0960 is the number. The reason I hesitated before giving it out is I was just going to mention the topics. There are so many. I have spoken on a few. Uh, But not only are there so many, each and every one of them is really big. It's really big, (laughs) you know, whether we're talking pandemic, whether we're talking about the arguments before the Supreme Court today, which could affect a nearly 50-year presidential case that has been been described as super-duper precedent. If you want my take on that, you're happy to uh, feel free to call in. I, uh, I dedicated my monologue to it, and now's as good a time as any to say if you ever miss any parts of the show, including the monologue, they're all available at 960thepatriot.com, 960thepatriot.com. I was, um, I was looking over some of the uh, Omicron uh, story today. You've heard me talk a little bit earlier about how today President Biden said that the way to deal with Omicron, the best way to deal with Omicron is to get vaccinated and a booster if you're eligible to be vaccinated and um, and get a booster if you're eligible, which I I just find surprising uh, because the stories yesterday and the day before were about whether the vaccines that we have now protect against the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. I read headlines from The New York Times uh, only uh, only yesterday that said scientists are quickly struggling to find if the current vaccines work against Omicron. And indeed, uh, we did learn one thing uh, today that we didn't know yesterday, which is it is here in America. We have a patient, uh, Zero, in Northern California, who I guess traveled here from South Africa and has not only tested positive for the coronavirus, but for the the Omicron variant. Uh, Interestingly enough, this person was fully vaccinated. So are we are we at a point where we just say things without any meaning is is I actually started today's monologue talking about politics in the English language, an old essay of George Orwell's about how language is perverted to suit political ends. And you don't really even pervert language anymore when you're at this point, do you? The fully vaccinated person is patient zero. And so the way not to be patient one, two or five thousand is to do what patient zero did. Is that is that is that where we're at? So the other interesting thing I was just thinking about this is, aren't we supposed to be getting a new updated uh, strategy for the coronavirus? The president said he would have one for us earlier this week. He didn't. So it's been put off till tomorrow. Tomorrow, Thursday, the administration says uh, we will um, release a new covid strategy Um, now. What's interesting to me about that is that throughout the campaign of last year, 
it was all about how Joe Biden would handle COVID differently. He said he wouldn't shut down the country. He would shut down the virus. He said anyone responsible for 220,000 deaths should not be the president of the United States, which was the number of deaths at the time when he said that. He's presided himself over 400,000. So I, you know, do, do, do the words mean anything? But more important to that question is why people hang on to these words, why they take them seriously, why they believe it. I was looking at what Joe Biden's plan was when he was campaigning, when he was going after Trump on the coronavirus, and uh, it's still available, the Biden-Harris, JoeBiden.com, which was the Biden-Harris campaign website, uh, is is still up, and it has, it's the Biden plan to combat coronavirus and prepare for future global health threats. Remember, it wasn't just COVID, it was other things that could come Perhaps variants might be considered one of that. And their first point, this is this was the first point they wrote on their website in their campaign, a decisive public health response that ensures the wide availability of free testing, the elimination of all cost barriers to preventive care and treatment for COVID-19, the development of a vaccine and the full deployment and operation of necessary supplies, personnel, and facilities. Now, what's interesting about that is all of that was done by Trump. All of it, or at least under his administration, all of it. Joe Biden walked into the Oval Office on day one, as he likes to say about everything, day one. He walked into the Oval Office with the vaccine already in his arm because it was already developed. Now, then he says he does have a point, too. This was his second promise, a decisive economic response that starts with emergency paid leave for all those affected by the outbreak and gives all necessary help to workers, families, and small businesses that are hit hard by this crisis. Make no mistake, this will require an immediate set of ambitious and progressive economic measures and further decisive action to address the larger macroeconomic shock from this outbreak. Do we have that? Any of it? Has anyone seen any of that? Any of it? Or rather, have they seen more fear and panic and death from or with COVID since Joe Biden took office than before he took office. Why are we believing, trusting anything this administration says? By the way, by the way, why are we trusting or believing anything Anthony Fauci says? I said this, I was discussing this with y'all the other day. Not only has he been wrong, I guess everyone can be wrong, even in areas of their purported extreme level of expertise. But what about when he lied? What about when he confessed to lying to the American public? Why would he still be in his position? Why would the media still interview him? The admitted lie had to do with herd immunity. It was printed in December of last year that reporters noticed he was talking in previous months about 60 to 70% level to reach herd immunity and then started saying 70 to 80 and then started saying 80 to 85, hitting 90 percent. And he said, I didn't think the American people were ready for the real number. This is why I ask, is your government telling you the truth? Is it lying to you or is it making it up as it goes along? And under 
at least two out of those three, why would anyone trust these guys? Why would anyone believe these people? Why would anyone organize their lives, their concerns, their fears over anything that is said by them? Anything, anything. I'll tell you why. Because the media keeps telling you that what Joe Biden is saying and doing is good, is a positive good, is a good thing, is different and better than last year, even though the numbers are worse than last year. Something must be better. What is the better thing? What is the better thing? Here's a headline in the USA Today. Biden showed leadership during COVID. Biden showed leadership during COVID? Ask me what leadership he has shown. Answer me what leadership he has shown. What has he done better and different? What has he done better and different? All of this may, may, I pray, become immaterial. Why? Our friends over at Issues and Insights may be a little optimistic, maybe a lot optimistic, but I hope they're just right. I'm not sure that they are. I'm not sure that they are. They write that by now it's clear to many that the left has used COVID-19 as a means to extend the federal government's control over Americans. But there are signs that the mask and vax culture that devastated the economy and created a nation of shut-ins and virus phobes may be nearing an end. President Joe Biden has insisted that Americans must be vaccinated to protect against the spread of new variants of the virus. He even tried to mandate it for private businesses with more than 100 workers and for federal health care employees, but not so fast. Just this week, two days ago, responding to a lawsuit brought by Missouri and nine other states, a federal district judge halted, obviously temporary, pending Supreme Court review, halted the vaccine mandate for healthcare workers at Medicare and Medicaid-affiliated facilities. Let me tell you a little bit more about all that when we come back. It may be an interesting case where the Constitution and the courts are for the first time in a long time ahead of the policy and the politics, which is where the Constitution and the courts should be, as I say, but haven't been. We'll see. I'll tell you more. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. That's Leon Womack and Willie Nelson. Just a beautiful, beautiful duet. This is an interesting story. I, I don't know where this goes. This is, uh, this is Alec Baldwin, I guess, sat down for an interview with ABC's George Stephanopoulos to talk about uh, the shooting that took place on uh, on his film set and he says to George Stephanopoulos he didn't pull the trigger now this 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 will air i guess tomorrow night uh so we don't have the full context of what did take place here but he didn't pull the trigger that would be completely and totally new information wouldn't it um and it will be interesting uh, to see how he gets there, uh, it's it's a um, it's it's interesting to me that Alec Baldwin, any any actor would be in the news for what took place on the set at Rust. Obviously, 
any any person who was killed on a set would be any any famous person on that set would obviously be in the news for it. Alec Baldwin is naturally in the news because someone died on on a set he was working on and producing and in charge of and starring in. We thought he was the one who pulled the gun. The gun was for him, pulled the trigger on the gun. The gun was for him, for his use, for his character's use. Um, This would be new information, but that we'll figure out, I guess, after tomorrow when we get the full story of who actually did pull that trigger. Uh, Keep in mind, as others have pointed out, it couldn't have been done accidentally in a certain sense. It's the kind of gun that's known as a single-action gun, which requires pulling the hammer first and then pulling the trigger. It's not, uh, it's, not, it's not the kind of gun that you can just pull the trigger and it works. You have to decidedly engage in two volitional acts, pulling the hammer and then pulling the trigger um, to get the gun to go off. So it takes two volitional acts to to fire that kind of that kind of um that kind of weapon um the bigger question is why is Alec Baldwin so big in our in our in our in our culture why is his instagram account so busy why are his political statements seemed deemed so important as if they seem to come from mount olympus why do we in vest so much into what Alec Baldwin has to say or had to say about anything before this awful tragedy took place on his movie set uh, is it, it's 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 something we've done with celebrities for a long time but few I can think of very few I can think of who have occupied so much political and policy space as Alec Baldwin. Now, I haven't done a search on him. I I don't really—maybe I will on the break, in case I have to issue some kind of correction here. But does anyone who quotes, cites, thinks about, talks about, repeats, or follows Alec Baldwin have any idea what his level of expertise on anything he spouts off about is? Does anyone have any understanding? I had a um, – we, we can do this in our politics on our side too. This is, this is important. Let me, let me leave Alec Baldwin. You take my point. Let me leave Alec Baldwin for the time being and make a, make a much more important point for all of us, especially as we're watching political season begin in earnest with primary campaigns, campaign ads, certainly interviews. I'm doing some on this show. Others are. Um, The temptation of Republicans, really anyone, but let me talk to my own family for a while. The temptation of Republicans to chase or want to embrace, it comes from a good place, so chase is the wrong word, but wanting to embrace anything that sounds like it might be Republican and popular at the same time from someone who previously wasn't known to you as a Republican or popular. You're seeing this particularly a lot with Kirsten Cinema, Senator Cinema. How many Republicans do you know who have said things like, I could see myself voting for her. I could see myself not only voting for her, I could see myself donating to her campaign, re-election. 
or if she became a Republican, dot, dot, dot. The second is not going to happen. There's nothing about Kirsten Sinema that would make her want to become a Republican. She's been decent on a spending issue. <laughs> it seems we sometimes are so desperate to find heroes or to find champions of something we believe in that we're willing to embrace the entire package. Think about it in respect to Joe Manchin. You see the same thing being said about him. You saw a little bit of this. Maybe you'll see it again more. You saw a little bit of this after Tulsi Gabbard left the Democratic primary field running for president and got a lot of attention on Fox News uh, because she was willing to take on some of the Democratic Party's shibboleths. Indeed, the first one she took on was Hillary Clinton. The second one was Kamala Harris. And she said a few different things from most Democrats in subsequent interviews. And there was an embrace, an embrace. I, I want to issue a, a warning about this. I want to issue a warning. And maybe this is a good way to play it out. And if you think I'm wrong, please do call me. Um, write down pen, note to yourself on your, you know, email to yourself, whatever, Word document, I don't care. Just put down somewhere... The five things that make you a conservative, the five most important issues to you that make you a conservative, and I really don't care what they are. I have my hopes of what some of those would be, but we're a big country and a big movement, whatever those five happen to be. Write them down. Just write them down. And then uh, without doing any further research, like I just didn't do with Alec Baldwin and his background, without doing any further research— Tell me where these people you like and think you might vote for or send money to stand on those five issues. I'm going to guess in a lot of cases, the answer will be, I'm not sure I got a check. Well, if you're not sure and you got a check, maybe don't even begin the conversation of saying, that's someone I could vote for, that's someone I could give money to. I was having this discussion with someone over one of these kinds of uh, po political uh, leaders, and they said something to me along the lines of, well, maybe they're just more like old school Democrats. You know, maybe that's Joe Manchin's jib. Well, keep in mind, there were old school Democrats. There may be a few old school Democrats left. I think a lot of them voted for Joe Biden thinking he was an old school Democrat. But, you know, when those old school Democrats were around, it's not as if there weren't Republicans that were around, too. You know who those Republicans were? Barry Goldwater and Ronald Reagan. They were the ones challenging those old school Democrats. Think about that. Who would you have voted for? Who would you have sent money to in those days? It's worth considering. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, the father, it says here, the father just left Rittenhouse protest. The father, welcome to the father. Who is the father? The father's Ryan. I just call myself that, but I'm usually talking about father's rights and parental rights issues. A lot of people just call me that. Tell, tell me your first name again. It didn't come through very clearly. Ryan. 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 Thank you, Ryan. Yes, you bet. What's up? So, just leaving the Kyle Rittenhouse protest slash counter protest on ASU. Tell me about it. I don't know about this. Tell me about it. 
I was I was in meetings all morning, so I apologize. Absolute inspiration, especially considering it was just thrown together at the last minute. So and this was a, a, a rally at the ASU campus on behalf of Kyle Rittenhouse remaining a student there. Is that what the effect was, the event was? Well, they were having a protest. They made sure he could never be there, and so we had a counter-protest oh, okay. against that. Okay. And they've been organizing for a few days. We had, like, 24 hours. Uh, TPUSA, Turning Point, God bless those folks, Charlie Kirk. Um, they got some folks down there and uh, a lot of Cary Lake folks down there. But the good news, Seth, and I mean this, wait till you see the videos tomorrow. We outnumbered them. On huh. ASU, <laughs> right up on the damn top. You outnumbered the socialists at ASU? We outnumbered them. Wait till you see the video. It was amazing. Right in front of Gamage Hall, we outnumbered them by at least 50% and about 9,000% on passion. We were over-chanting them. They couldn't get their mess. We chased them. They tried to march around campus. Tomorrow you're going to see this video of them marching with the banner. You're not even going to be able to see the banner because what you're going to see is me dancing in, in front of it like I'm leading a parade singing, <laughs> in a sound, in a sound. And we took over their, they tried to do safe spots, take over yards at ASU. Everywhere they went, we encircled them. We drowned them out. They literally ran away with their tail between their legs. It was amazing, right on ASU. Well, I got to tell you, I have been, thank you for that report. Uh, I have, Ryan, I appreciate it. I, I have to tell you, the lead group, at least according to the press reports, I've been following up until today. A little bit of the controversy over his his uh, posi- his uh, being a, a a student at ASU, that the lead group, the group leading the charge, wanting him out of ASU, wanting him not at ASU, wanting him kicked out of ASU, is a group called Students for Socialism at ASU. That's the leading group. Um, that's the one that's been mentioned. And you know, lest we lest we find this word socialism so overused so normalized you know i want i want people to understand what we're talking about here so blessedly they kind of tell you who they are i just want the rest of the world to believe them when they tell you who they are because i don't think when they write and tell you and scream at you who they are and what they believe that they're lying Go to their Twitter account, which has grown, by the way, the last week. I've been monitoring it. Go to their Twitter account, Students for Socialism at ASU. They tell you who they are. I'll I'll tell you what they write in their headline, in their description, in their biography of their their Twitter page. Students for Socialism at Arizona State University is a socialist, revolutionary, Marxist club. Our mission is to end capitalism and fight for socialism. When in the history of the world have you ever found a revolutionary Marxist organization end well? Just take a moment to consider. They are telling you they are a revolutionary Marxist organization. They say it right there in black and white. We are a revolutionary Marxist organization. Name me one that has ever ended well. Name me one that hasn't ever ended in death and massacre and screams. I'm almost tempted, except it makes too much light of something too very serious, too much, uh, too, too terribly serious. I'm almost wanting to invoke Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. Oh, that's how it always starts. The oohs and the ahs. And then there's the running and the screaming and the blood. 
But that's fiction. And revolutionary Marxism is not fiction. There's over 100 million souls that died trying to prove it wasn't fiction. That's who's leading this. The second group is Students for Justice in Palestine. I don't know what that has to do with anything. I wonder what those Students for Justice in Palestine believe. I first would love to know what they consider to be Palestine. Second, I would like to know if they're members of any lesbian or LGBTQ groups. Because there's only one country in the Middle East that would allow that group to be alive and operate and organize and exist and probably even give money to. And it ain't in Gaza or the West Bank. I'll say a few more things about this when we come back. We'll be right back. You hear these great songs and then you ask yourself... Yeah, we'll do, we'll do, we'll start Christmas music here on Monday. But do we want every bumper song to be a Christmas song, or do we just want a little Christmas music? Chris, you're the you're the vice president of all things important here. Do you have a view on this? You know, uh, yes, you do. You already expressed your fast your your yeah. your, <laughs> your attempted imitation of the Grinch. It just is a lot. That was my only point. There's just a lot of it uh, all the time. You know, it would be good. Is if every song were your your Mister were the Mister Grinch song? No, <laughs> you're a mean one. Yeah. Um, what about the five o'clock hour? Just the, leave it for, for one week? hour. No, just next week. Just the five o'clock hour. It's dark out. It's getting dark early, and then the following week, go all in. Oh, I see what you're saying. Go all in. I see what you're so saying. So would that be like the tenth or eleventh? Heating or up the frog slowly. Yeah, it's five o'clock hour. It's, yeah. Sun's down. Yeah. Getting in the mood. It's Christmas somewhere. Yeah. Is everybody excited about Christmas? Yes. At 3 p.m. when it's 80 degrees Yes. Out? No. No. They're not? Okay. It's 80. Okay, Mr. Grinch. Not when you can still wear your sandals and shorts. You know, <laughs> it's Christmas in the Caribbean. Maybe, well, that's a Jimmy Buffett song. Do you have it? Avail- uh, can you find it can and find go it? out with it? Yeah, sure. Christmas in the Caribbean by Jimmy Buffett. On this Buffett. next break? Yeah, why not? This. Yeah, yeah why not? I think his birthday is Christmas. That's why. Um, I, I have two things on the table I, I meant to conclude on, and I didn't get a chance. I'll go, come back to the Rittenhouse thing in a moment. Uh, let me clean up the older thing first, which was we talk about how important our votes are, the vote is in this country. We talk about, obviously, an issue that we wished we didn't have to because we wished in a better time we wouldn't have to. But we talk about election integrity. Hold your vote that sacrosanct too. That sacrosanctity of your vote matters when you think about who you want to give money to and who you support. I understand the, uh, the, the interest in saying a good thing to and a kind word for a Democrat who stands with us on a certain issue here and there. And I encourage you to write those elected officials for your support because they get a lot of negativity. They get a lot of opposition from their base. They need to know they're not alone out there on this issue. And maybe issue by issue over time we'll get them, but likely we won't, and we'll just be able to thank them for not further breaking the entire bank on one spending bill. One spending bill of which we're going to see 10 more versions of over the next year alone. And where will they be on those? But hold your vote sacrosanct, even in the primaries, even in the Republican primaries. Again, write down the five issues that you think are most important to your being a conservative or you're being a Republican. 
and then ask yourself, the person you're inclined to vote for, where they stand on those issues. Ask yourself. Do the research. Look it up. If your answer is you don't know, well, a fortiori, if they're a Democrat, you should just be done with it. Conservatives, I have long maintained, need to adopt the rule. I think it was expressed first in the movie Ronin, I think. If there's doubt, there's no doubt. If there's doubt, there's no doubt. Ask yourself of the Republicans who are looking for your vote or your support, where they've been on the battles that have been important to you over the last several years. Or other battles that you thought were important that you were happy that they carried the flag on. Did they put their neck out? Did they show up at any of the rallies? Did they show up at any of the meetings? Did they write op-eds? Did they want their voices heard, not just when they wanted your vote, but when there was no election around and it was just an issue because of the media or it was an issue because of a piece of legislation flying around the state capitol or Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C.? Where were they? What were they saying? What were they doing? Your vote matters. It's the basis of consent in this country, which is the basis of the Republican form of government we salute. Which is why, and kind of an interesting, maybe a good segue to this issue with the rally over Kyle Rittenhouse, the dueling rallies over Kyle Rittenhouse that took place at ASU today. Are we laws unto ourselves or are we not? Keep in mind that the rally and the march and the rioting that took place in Kenosha where Kyle Rittenhouse fired his gun. Keep in mind, of the hundreds of people who were at that protest slash riot slash rally, whatever you want to call it, keep in mind there were hundreds of people there. I don't remember the exact estimate. Somewhere the number 600 sticks in my mind. But there were hundreds of people at that rally, protest, riot, where Kyle Rittenhouse was. Of all of them, the only one exonerated in a court of law for not having broken any laws was Kyle Rittenhouse. The only one. Now keep in mind, everyone else there was breaking curfew in what was declared a state of emergency. Everyone there was there illegally. The only one who a court of law found not guilty of anything was Kyle Rittenhouse. So there's a protest at ASU to kick him off campus, an effort to kick him out of school at ASU. He's not even physically on campus. There's an effort to remove him from being a part of ASU, Arizona State University. Because why? Well, if you go for the, to the Students for Socialism at ASU Twitter page, they are posting pictures of their efforts And you see some of these signs, and you see some of what they're writing. And 12 hours ago, they wrote, Rittenhouse's presence on campus will attract other dangerous fascists who now feel embodied by Rittenhouse's acquittal. Dangerous fascists who now feel emboldened by Rittenhouse's acquittal. This is little better 
than what our Secretary of State currently and candidate for governor currently, Katie Hobbs, said, which is that this will empower, this decision will empower more white supremacists. Little better. At least we don't have Mr. Rittenhouse's race as an issue with the socialists at ASU. Call them what they call themselves, Marxists at ASU. Will attract other dangerous fascists? Do you know that Kyle Rittenhouse is a fascist? But here's the real question. Here's the real question. Why is fascism bad at ASU when Marxism is good? Answer me that. There you go. Christmas in the Caribbean, Jimmy Buffett. That'll that'll help get us uh, get us in the right mood. All right, I'll close with where I began on a day like today, given what was taking place in the Supreme Court. Everyone says they like Lincoln. Okay, let's like Lincoln. Here's what he said. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This was their majestic interpretation of the economy of the universe. This was their lofty and wise and noble understanding of the justice of the creator to his creatures. Yes, gentlemen, to all his creatures, to the whole great family of man. In their enlightened belief, nothing stamped with the divine image and likeness was sent into the world to be trodden on and degraded and imbruted by its fellows. They grasped not only the whole race of man then living, but they reached forward and seized upon the farthest posterity. They erected a beacon to guide their children and their children's children and the countless myriads who should inhabit the earth in other ages. Wise statesmen as they were, they knew the tendency of prosperity to breed tyrants. And so they established these great self-evident truths that when in the distant future, some man, some faction, some interest should set up the doctrine that none but rich men or none but white men were entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, their posterity might look up again to that old Declaration of Independence and take courage to renew the battle which their fathers began so that truth and justice and mercy and all the humane and Christian virtues might not be extinguished from the land so that no man would hereafter dare to limit and circumscribe the great principles on which the temple of liberty was being built. Keep it a temple. Respect it as a temple. And until tomorrow, God bless you all. Classes. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.